In the first four verses of 1 John chapter 1, the Apostle John tells us how the Lord Jesus, the Word of life, was God from the very beginning and creator of the, the world in which we live. But he came to this earth, and John reminds us that he had the privilege, the personal privilege, of seeing him, of hearing him, of touching him, and of looking into this Jesus. And he shares what he experienced in the hope that we too could, could have fellowship with him, and he wants us to have the fellowship that he experienced with Jesus, the word of life. Now, while fellowship with the Lord Jesus is possible, there is one big obstacle to that becoming a reality. And that hindrance has to do with the nature of God and the nature of, of humanity. John begins uh, in verse 5 with these words, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. John tells us here that God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. Now, light in Scripture represents holiness and purity, and of course, darkness, on the other hand, represents sin and evil. And John explains why this is such an obstacle in his gospel when he says this in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. The big obstacle between God and humanity is sin. Now, we understand this in terms of salvation, but we're not so good at understanding this when it comes to our walk with God. Sin in our lives will hinder our fellowship with God. Now consider this for a moment. What happened when the Lord Jesus went to the cross? Well, we know that he took the penalty for our sin by taking our sin with him to that cross. But do you remember what Jesus said when he took our sins with him to the cross? There on that cross, at one moment in time, the Lord Jesus cries out and says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did God forsake Jesus on the cross? He did so because he bore our sin on himself. God turned his back on his very own perfect son when he took on our sin. And Jesus felt the loss of fellowship that day with his father. It was all because of sin that Jesus bore on his body on the tree. And if the father turned his face from his very own son, what does that say for those of us who walk in darkness? Can you say you have fellowship with God and live in sin? If fellowship was broken the moment Jesus took on our sin, will it not be broken for us as well? 
It's the heart of John that we experience fellowship with Jesus. But for that to be possible, we must deal with this matter of sin. Sin is a barrier to fellowship with God and his son, Jesus Christ. That is true for salvation, but it is also true in regards to our daily walk with Christ. Now, John makes it abundantly clear in verse 6 of John chapter, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6, that we cannot have true fellowship with the Lord Jesus if we walk in darkness. The thing is this, you cannot have it both ways. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said to the church in Laodicea in Revelation 3 verses 15 and 16. Here he says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now here was a church in Laodicea that had one foot in the world and the other in the things of God. And the Lord Jesus tells them that because of this, he would spit them out of his mouth. There is no darkness in God at all. And a faith that is stained with pagan and worldly ways is not a faith that God, that the Lord Jesus accepts. He calls us to make a choice, and he determines that if we do not choose him, then we have already made our decision. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, this brings us to an important question. If fellowship with Christ is only possible by walking in the light, how is it even possible for us to have fellowship at all? Not one of us is perfect. We've all been guilty of darkness in our heart and mind. And, and John hints at this when he says, if we say we have no sin, verse 8, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. To think that we have no sin is, says John, a deception. He, he goes on in verse 10 to say something very similar when he says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. The very fact of saying we've not sinned is to call God, to call God a liar, for he tells us that we have all sinned and fall short of his glory. And to say we've never sinned, is to deny our need of a Savior. And if we deny our need for a Savior, then how can we have fellowship with Him? You can't get around this fact that we are all sinners, and this matter needs to be settled right here and now. And it's a serious thing that we must address. This matter of sin and darkness will hinder our fellowship with God. And if we are not experiencing the fellowship we would like with God, we need to examine our hearts to see if there is darkness that needs to be surrendered to Him. His light. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is this. If we are sinners and there is sin in us, is fellowship with God possible at all? Now John assures us that it is possible, indeed possible, in verse 7, by, by walking in the light. This is what he says in verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we 
have fellowship with one another, and the blood of his Son, of Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. Notice two details here. We can have fellowship when two things happen. One, we walk in the light, and two, when the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Verse tells us, verse 7 tells us that we can have fellowship with the Lord Jesus. But in order for that to take place, we need cleansing and we need a commitment. How can we be cleansed from the sin and darkness in us that keeps us from fellowship with God? John gives us the answer in verse 9 when he says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John invites us to go to the Lord Jesus with our sin. He's the only one who can forgive, and he promises that he will forgive and he will cleanse us from all stain and darkness. But John goes on to tell his readers that they they were also to make it their commitment not to sin anymore. In chapter 2 and verse 1, My little children, I am writing these, these things to you so that you may not sin. But I, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, the fact of the matter is this. While we must make it our commitment, according to John, not to sin, not one of us will get through life without falling into darkness. And John tells us, however, that when that happens, we have been given an advocate, a lawyer, to plead our case before the Father so that our sin can be forgiven and cleansed. And that advocate is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This advocate, according to John chapter uh, uh, 2 and 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. In other words, he is the one who will settle our debt with God in full. He pays the penalty in full and pleads with the Father on our behalf. His desire for fellowship with you and me is such that he paid the penalty at the cost of his life and he personally pleads our case before the Father. Now there's an interesting story in John chapter 13 where Jesus takes up a towel to wash his disciples' feet. And Peter on that particular day Seeing Jesus kneeling down to wash the feet of his brothers refuses to let Jesus do the same for him. And he says in John chapter 13 and verse 8, Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. There could be no fellowship with Jesus if Peter did not let Jesus wash his feet. Peter needed to be cleansed. 
And Peter then, hearing what Jesus has to say, says, Jesus, well, if that's the case, then wash all of me. But Jesus responded in John chapter 13 and verse 10 by saying, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. Picture here, if you will, a man having accepted an invitation to a friend's house, and in preparation, he has a bath and puts on his good clothes, and as he walks down the dusty roads to his friend's house, his feet get dirty on the way. He arrives at his friend's house and is met by a servant at the door with a basin, and that servant stoops down to wash his feet, and once his feet are washed, he is once again clean. And all that needs to happen for him to be clean again is for those that dirt on his feet to be washed off. And as we go through life, we get our feet dirty. Yes, we have come to know the Lord and we've been forgiven of our sins and cleansed. But as we go through life, we find ourselves getting our feet dirty and defiled. And that dirt will at times hinder our communication with the Savior. And often, however, like Peter, we resist him washing our feet. But if we humble ourselves, however, he will bend down and wash our feet and cleanse us of our defilement and restore us one once again, to fellowship with him. Now, not only does Jesus cleanse us of our defilements and wash our feet of the defilements of this world, but there's something else, according to John, that happens when we come to the Lord Jesus. Listen to what John told his disciples or his readers in, in, in John, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to him if we keep his commandments. Now this is not a forced obligation on our part. It's the result of the work of the Spirit of Christ living in us. He moves us. He comes to live within us. And he motivates our heart to service and to honor Christ. And clear evidence of fellowship with God is in, the, in this transformation of our hearts. In, in, in first, first John chapter 2 and verse 5, John says this, But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And amazing. Amazing verse here. Notice that John is telling us that the the love of God is be as the love of God is being perfected in us. We find ourselves desirous of keeping His word and walking in communion with Him. That's to say, God is fellowship with fellowshipping with us. He is proving to us that He is in us and with us, and He is working and changing us. His love is transforming our lives. And John goes on in this in that same verse in verse 5 and into verse 6 to say this, by this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Notice these, these expressions. In him, we know that we are in him and abide in him. Whoever says he abides in him. These expressions in him and, and abiding in him are expressions of 
fellowship and intimacy, to be in Christ is to be part of him and he of us. To abide in Christ is to to rest in his care and provision. And, And what's important for us to see here is this connection between this kind of a relationship of being in him and abiding in him and walking as he walked. What we need to understand is that walking with God and in accordance with his will is evidence that we are indeed in fellowship with him. And if you want to know if you're walking in fellowship with God, then John gives us the test. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But by this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Sin and darkness in our lives is both a barrier to fellowship and evidence of whether we are in fellowship with God or not. John tells us that fellowship with God is hindered by the darkness of sin. And you can't continue to walk in sin and be in fellowship with God. But the good news, however, is that there is forgiveness for all who will confess their sins and there is cleansing in the blood of Jesus Christ. The defilement can be cleansed and fellowship restored. But the question is whether we want to know this fellowship more than we want our sin. And the cry of the flesh is loud, but there is no ultimate satisfaction in it. And God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. And to know him is to turn from darkness. You wonder how that could ever be possible, how you could ever overcome the hardness of your heart and and repel the darkness that your flesh so longs for. But the first step is to be willing to surrender your sin. And when you do, he will come in and fellowship with you, driving out the darkness and replacing it with the light of his presence. But the question is whether this is your true heart and whether today you're willing to surrender in order to have fellowship with him.